Welcome to the Election Ride Home for Monday, March 2nd, 2020. I'm your host, Jackson Bird, with a summary of election news. Today, Tom Steyer, Pete Buttigieg, and Amy Klobuchar have all dropped out of the race. Joe Biden won the South Carolina primary. And what does all of this mean for Super Tuesday? Which, by the way, is tomorrow. Yes, it is Super Tuesday Eve and just 245 days until the general election. Here's what you missed this weekend from the campaign trail. So this news literally just broke as I was recording, which means I don't have many details for you yet, but Senator Amy Klobuchar has officially ended her campaign and is reportedly endorsing Vice President Joe Biden. Things are about to get interesting. But unfortunately, that is all the context I can give you right now. Like I said, the news just broke at the time of recording. So there you have it in brief. More tomorrow. And now on to what was originally the first segment. The big news from the weekend at this point overshadowing the South Carolina primary is that both Tom Steyer and Pete Buttigieg have dropped out of the 2020 presidential race. Businessman Tom Steyer came in third place in South Carolina, garnering 11% of the vote but securing no delegates. He had also failed to secure delegates in any other of the primaries or caucuses prior to South Carolina. Quoting the New York Times, Despite spending more than $191 million on advertising nationally, Mr. Steyer did not earn any national pledged delegates in Iowa, New Hampshire, or Nevada, making South Carolina something of a make-or-break state for his continued viability. Mr. Steyer, who said he had always planned to end his candidacy if he did not see a path to victory, declared that based on South Carolina results, he did not see a path. In leaving the campaign, he did not endorse another candidate, but pledged to work with the Democratic nominee, who he said would be a, quote, million times better than Trump. Trump is a disaster. Steyer also said in his exit speech, We live in a country that is deeply unjust economically, where rich people have been profiting at the expense of everybody else. And I didn't get in this race and start talking about things to get votes. I was in this race to talk about things that I cared the most about. End quote. Just yesterday evening, former South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg announced he, too, is ending his campaign for president. Quoting the New York Times, Mr. Buttigieg, 38, narrowly won the Iowa caucuses early last month and came in a strong second place in the New Hampshire primary, exciting liberal white Democrats with his cool, hyper-articulate manner. But he never broadened his breadth of support in a party with a non-white base, one that has veered leftward since 2018. He came in a distant third in the Nevada caucuses, which drew strong numbers of Latino voters, and then fourth place in South Carolina, where black voters made up a majority of the Democratic electorate. He won just 3% of them, according to exit polls. End quote. Overall, Buttigieg came in fourth place in South Carolina with 8% of the vote and thereby acquiring zero delegates. In his exit speech, he acknowledged that his path to victory had narrowed to a close. He didn't endorse another candidate or mention any of them by name, but he did make some strong hints about what type of candidate, or perhaps candidate in particular, he probably won't be backing. Quoting from his exit speech, 
We need leadership to heal a divided nation, not drive us further apart. We need a broad-based agenda to truly deliver for the American people, not one that gets lost in ideology. We need an approach strong enough not only to win the White House, but hold the House, win the Senate, and send Mitch McConnell into retirement. End quote. His exit speech was also scheduled for the same time as Mike Bloomberg's three-minute ad buy on NBC and CBS last night, the one in which he addressed the nation about coronavirus with a pre-recorded speech to show the nation what a president should be doing in this time of crisis. Whether or not Buttigieg timed his speech to intentionally conflict with Bloomberg's ad buy, his exiting of the race has certainly overshadowed Bloomberg's address in headlines this morning, so bummer for Bloomberg there. Since making his exit speech last night, the New York Times has reported that Buttigieg afterwards spoke with both Vice President Biden and President Barack Obama. Biden has asked for his support, and Buttigieg is reportedly weighing the decision. Quoting the New York Times, Mr. Obama did not specifically encourage Mr. Buttigieg to endorse Mr. Biden, said the official, who insisted on anonymity to discuss private conversations. But Mr. Obama did note that Mr. Buttigieg had considerable leverage at the moment and should think about how best to use it. Should Mr. Buttigieg endorse Mr. Biden on Monday and many of his supporters shift to Mr. Biden on Super Tuesday, it could reshape the Democratic primary, creating a more formidable centrist challenge to Bernie Sanders' progressive bid. End quote. However you felt about Pete Buttigieg's campaign and his politics, there's no denying his candidacy was a historic one. As the first openly gay major presidential candidate, the first openly gay candidate in American history to earn delegates in a presidential primary, he gave a lot of LGBTQ plus people out there a sense of hope and awe. And he proved that maybe we're closer than we thought to being a nation that doesn't care about the sexual orientation of our president. Something I personally, at least, never thought that I would see in my lifetime. Buttigieg acknowledged this in his exit speech, saying, quote, we sent a message to every kid out there wondering if whatever marks them out as different means they are somehow destined to be less than. Someone who once felt that exact same way can become a leading American presidential candidate with his husband at his side. Afghan veteran and founder of the New York City Veterans Alliance, Kristen Roos, said on Twitter after the Iowa caucuses, If you'd have told me during the 17 years of my military career that Don't Ask, Don't Tell threatened to end my service in a job I loved for a country I love because of who I loved, that an openly gay veteran could win a state primary running for president? Well, it might have given me greater hope that things would get better, for me personally and for LGBTQ people more broadly. That was hope that I could have used during some tough times when I didn't feel like anything would get better. Buttigieg may or may not be your candidate or mine, but his success is no small thing. Pollster Matt McDermott also tweeted last night, Whoever you support in this primary, Pete Buttigieg showed kids there's no reason to hide who you are. In America, you can be LGBTQ and do whatever you want, including run for president. With both Tom Steyer and Pete Buttigieg out of the race, politics editor at the Daily Beast Sam Stein pointed out on Twitter, quote, Joe Biden can now run as the youngest male candidate left in the field. <laughs> yeah, uh, wow. But on a more serious note, a lot of people who voted early for Steyer or Buttigieg are asking what happens to their votes. 
A few states have released announcements on this matter. Local Detroit journalist Brian Abel is reporting via the Michigan Department of State that if you voted absentee in Michigan's upcoming March 10th primary for a candidate no longer in the running, you can change your ballot by submitting a written request to spoil the one you sent in and request another one or go vote at the polls on the 10th after spoiling your first absentee ballot. In California, however, you are out of luck. Kim Alexander, president of the nonpartisan California Voter Foundation, told the LA Times, Once you vote, you vote. There's no do-over. Paul Mitchell from Political Data Inc., a for-profit campaign research firm that tracks ballots as they are returned, says of California, Our data suggests 40% of those who will participate have already voted. Quoting the LA Times, Some voters openly speculated Sunday on social media whether they could simply go to a local election site and cast a second ballot, even though they had already voted by mail. In many cases, that second ballot would cancel the first one out when election officials entered the information into their systems. But in all cases, a voter choosing to do so could be accused of violating California election law. End quote. Mitchell says that people who voted for Buttigieg early might still be able to shape the outcome of the California primary if those votes were enough to secure him a few delegates. So if he gets some delegates from any state with early voting, what happens to those and what happens to the 26 delegates he'd already won? Quoting the Washington Post, Technically, Buttigieg has suspended his campaign and not actually withdrawn. As Josh Putnam, an expert on the primary process, points out, Eight of Buttigieg's delegates were allocated thanks to the statewide vote in Iowa and New Hampshire. He won those by virtue of hitting the 15% threshold in those states, but the delegates are not actually divvied up among the threshold hitters until later this year. If he's not considered a candidate in those states at the time they're distributed at conventions there, April for New Hampshire and June for Iowa, his delegates will be redistributed among those candidates who are. At that point, the beneficiary will likely be Sanders. The rest of the delegates will go to the convention and vote for Buttigieg on the first ballot. If no one wins on that ballot, Buttigieg might ask his delegates to vote in support of some other particular candidate. They're not bound to, but it gives him a bargaining chip. Buttigieg's delegate hall is small in the context of the total which will be awarded. It's unlikely that his 26, or eventually 18, delegates would be enough to give Biden a convention win over Sanders. The benefit to Biden, Warren, and Klobuchar comes largely not from dropping out with delegates in hand, but dropping out early enough that they are likely to pick up more delegates themselves than they otherwise would have. End quote. A lot of people are speculating on who Buttigieg's supporters' second-choice pick will be, but honestly, every single poll that I've seen says something different, and they were all done a few days ago, if not before the South Carolina primary, at least before Buttigieg dropped out. So I don't think we really have a good read on which candidate his supporters will be turning to en masse. That said, if Buttigieg himself does end up endorsing Joe Biden, that would certainly influence things. It might seem like the South Carolina primary was a full decade ago already, but it was just on Saturday. And in case you weren't glued to your phone, you know, maybe you had a nice, relaxing weekend of unplugging and not thinking about the election at all. Or even if you were and want a refresher, here is a recap of what went down in South Carolina. In a shocking twist considering his double-digit lead in statewide polls over every other candidate, 
Vice President Joe Biden won the South Carolina primary. He won with 48% of the vote, taking home 39 of the delegates. Bernie Sanders came second with 19% of the vote, securing 13 delegates. Tom Steyer, as I said, was in third with 11% of the vote, earning two delegates. And then not earning any delegates was Buttigieg in fourth with 8% of the vote, Warren in fifth with seven, Amy in sixth with three, and Gabbard in seventh with 1% of the vote. This is not just Joe Biden's first win in the 2020 presidential primary. It's his first primary win ever in any state in any of his three presidential bids. So it is no wonder he seemed so happy in his victory speech. Quoting New York Magazine Washington correspondent Olivia Nuzzi on Twitter, I have never seen Joe Biden look as happy as he looks right now on stage in Columbia, South Carolina. Is a primary victory the best-kept beauty secret? Joe Biden looks like five years younger than he did in New Hampshire right now. In that speech, Biden said, To all those who have been knocked down, counted out, and left behind, this is your campaign. The press and the pundits had declared this candidacy dead, but now, thanks to all of you, the heart of the Democratic Party, we won and we won big because of you. He also made a point to thank Representative Jim Clyburn, whose endorsement last week definitely seems to have made a difference, saying, My buddy Jim Clyburn, you brought me back. This was certainly an important win that Biden had been banking on, but will it be enough to keep him in the running or ultimately become the nominee? John Favreau of Pod Save America said on Twitter, In South Carolina, Joe Biden won liberal voters 43 to 29 and voters who prefer Medicare for all, 44 to 28. In Nevada, Bernie Sanders tied Biden among moderate and conservative voters. Political coverage is probably too focused on lanes and ideological differences. Voters are more complex. End quote. 538 has a five-point hypothesis of what Biden's win could mean for Senator Sanders. It's in the show notes if you want to check out the whole thing, but essentially, their theories for Biden's big win are, number one, it's just a one-off thing that's happened to other candidates historically and is due to how much he invested in South Carolina. Number two, quote, The disparate results so far are simply reflective of the geographic and demographic strengths and weaknesses of the candidates. The notion of momentum is mostly a mirage. Number three, the Democratic Party is finally getting behind Biden, but it might not work. Number four, people are voting tactically against Sanders, and or, number five, a national surge in favor of Biden has already been happening, but it hasn't been reflected in polling data. Sanders, however, is not going to sacrifice his values or policies in order to appeal to a more moderate base. He told the San Francisco Chronicle yesterday that he will not choose a running mate who doesn't support Medicare for all, saying, quote, We will pick somebody who knows the experience of working families in this country, who has a history of fighting for those families, and somebody whose politics are similar to mine, end quote. A morning consult poll that just came out, literally right as I was about to record, shows that Biden is closing the gap between him and Sanders. After his South Carolina victory, Biden's national support is up seven points, while Sanders is down three. According to this poll, Sanders is still in the lead nationally at 29%, but Biden is in second place at 26 And with a margin of error of 2%, the two candidates are definitely close. 
We'll dive more into that poll tomorrow, as well as probably others that are sure to be coming out post-South Carolina and post-Steyer and Buttigieg and Klobuchar dropping out, but I wanted to slide that in real quick as an indication of how Biden's big victory might be impacting Super Tuesday results. The latest NBC News Marist polls out Sunday shows Sanders with a double-digit lead over Biden in Texas, but beating Biden by just 2% in North Carolina, well within the five-point margin of error on the North Carolina poll. Uh, Also note that these polls were conducted before Biden's victory in South Carolina and before Steyer, Buttigieg, and Klobuchar had dropped out. Both polls have the candidates in the following order. Sanders, Biden, Bloomberg, Warren, Buttigieg, Klobuchar, Steyer, and still in the race, actually, Gabbard. Only Sanders, Biden, and Bloomberg passed the 15% viability threshold, though Warren is close behind and within the margin of error to possibly do so as well. NBC News notes, As in past primaries and polling, Sanders overperforms in these two states among likely Democratic primary voters under the age of 45, self-described progressives, and Latinos. Biden, meanwhile, does the best among likely Democratic primary voters over 45, self-described moderates, and African-Americans, end quote. As for the two other remaining top candidates, Super Tuesday marks the first time Bloomberg will be on the ballot, quoting the Washington Post. Bloomberg, who has spent hundreds of millions of dollars across Super Tuesday states, could help halt a Sanders delegate pileup by hitting the threshold in states such as Texas, Virginia, Arkansas, Oklahoma, and perhaps Tennessee. But Bloomberg's presence could also stop Biden from winning outright in those states. End quote. Senator Warren, despite being below dropouts Steyer and Buttigieg in South Carolina, is still in it to win it or at least to win a few more delegates. Though with the way the news is going today, she might just drop out before this episode even goes live, who knows? Uh, Probably not, though, because she does still have some momentum. Warren's campaign has announced that February was their biggest fundraising month to date, having raised $29.3 million. This is compared, however, to Sanders, who raised $46 million last month. Tomorrow's episode is going to be coming out well before polls close, so since I won't be doing any sort of live updates then, and because so much happened over the weekend and today that I needed to fit in here, uh, I will save the deeper dives and updates on Super Tuesday for tomorrow. So you can listen and get updated before too many poll results start coming in, or if you live in one of the 15 states or territories that's voting tomorrow, you can maybe listen on your way to your polling location. Either way, election news is coming fast and furious now, and I will have more on the end of Senator Klobuchar's campaign tomorrow. Perhaps we'll see an endorsement from Buttigieg before then. Maybe someone else will drop out. Lots can happen. I am sure tomorrow is going to be a huge, interesting, and no doubt very long day. And that is the election roundup for the day, at least as much as I could keep up with it. You can find Election Ride Home on Twitter at Election Podcast or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Election Ride Home. Thank you all for listening and have a great rest of your day.